Hi friends and welcome to Robcast number 10. This one is called Making Room for the Immensities. I'll be in London next week. Would love to see you there, my UK friends. And then uh, starting end of April, the renowned comic Pete Holmes and I have a new two-man show called Together at Last. And we'll be on tour. Hopefully we're coming to a city near you. And then I do these events. I know a number of you have uh, had questions about what does faith look like in the modern world, especially if you work every day, if you spend the majority of your waking hours in an environment that isn't overtly religious or spiritual. What does it look like to give yourself to your work, understanding that it's a sacred, holy task, but nobody else around you is talking that way? Or, or how, how do you do that without sounding like you're a crazy person? I do these events uh, for people in business, healthcare, education, law, entrepreneurs, activists, artists, where I get a hundred of you in a room and for two days talk and teach about the sacred, holy nature of work. And then you ask questions and then we get going and we, we find this groove. It's like riding a wave. It's so great. And we're doing another one end of April and um, would love to have you there. And I'll be talking about work-life balance and why do some people seem to grow and open up and learn and evolve and other people seem kind of stuck where they've always been? How does that work? And um, so anyway, those are called Two Days with Rob Bell and a bunch of those are, um, and my son has just come in and the car key is right there. Yeah. And now he has the car key and he's leaving. So, um, what, oh yeah, and then one more, a number of you have asked about what books I'd recommend to help you sort of begin to read the Bible in a whole new way. And I just Instagrammed a photo of just a couple books that I'm fairly confident will blow your mind. So um, there's a couple things there. Now, I want to talk about making room for the immensities. A couple of weeks ago, we had a big swell here in town, big waves. Um, and I had heard that there was somebody missing. Um, and when you get big waves, it does get really dangerous, especially if people are like visiting from out of town and aren't aware of what can happen when a big wave crashes into shore or crashes onto the reef. And if you're standing there, it can, it can be a fairly dangerous thing. And I'd heard that somebody was missing. And then a couple uh, days later, I go out to get the mail and they leave the local paper um, there sort of on the curb. And on the front page is a picture of this young man who was they'd found his body. Um, he'd been visiting from Las Vegas. He'd been standing on a reef. Wave came in, um, knocked him into the water, dragged him out. They hadn't been able to find him, and they found his body a half mile down the shore, not far from where I surf most days. And it was one of those things, um, sometimes the suffering is something that you directly experience. Maybe you've been through a divorce or... Uh, cancer, or you lost somebody you love, or um, you got fired or had to go through a brutal bankruptcy, or um, maybe it was something that happened to you. Sometimes it's something that happens to somebody that you know. Um, my wife and I know a young couple whose daughter, toddler age daughter, was just in a tragic accident, and she survived, but there may be some long-term damage, and they're sort of 
coming to terms with that. And, and my wife, Kristen, has been emailing her. Um, and then other times it's somebody you've never met. You hear that somebody is lost or missing, and then you pick up the paper and you read about somebody that you've never met who lives hours away but happened to be visiting and drowns in the ocean. And it's that pain. If I were to try and describe it, it's it's almost like a, a something opens up in your heart. Like a, like a hollowness or an emptiness. Like the center of your being is haunted with loss. And what's, uh, perhaps you're like me, it's the strangest things that, that are so detached and distant from you. Have you ever had this? A, a particular headline in the news grabs you and you feel it. Um, and sometimes it's somebody really close to you. Sometimes it's somebody that you've just met a couple times. And sometimes it's something that, is miles and miles and miles away, and yet you feel it. So today I want to talk about making room for the immensities of suffering. And I want to talk about how you feel it. Then I want to talk about how you make room for it. And then I want to talk about how you transcend it. First, you feel it. Suffering exists in a realm beyond your intellect. Imagine if I told you about a song. And I told you, but this song is in the key of C, and the time signature is 4-4, four, four, and there's this middle eight that goes to a B minor, and there's like a little stutter step thing that the snare, snare drum does, and then the bass has this walk down from an E flat. See what I mean? I could talk about this song over and over again. I could tell you it sounds like mid-career talking heads. I could tell you that it has little cl- uh, sort of echoes of the clash. You still would say to me, Rob, I haven't heard the song. So you can talk to me all you want about the song, but I haven't heard the song. Trying to describe a song with words is a bit like trying to understand pain with your intellect. It's just a different mode. When you experience suffering and you ask those questions, you don't ask them with your brain, do you? Suffering exists in a realm beyond the intellect. Suffering is beyond words. Sometimes the pain is so great, there's nothing to say. Sometimes we have the sense like we need to rush in with words, but the truth is there's nothing to say. This is why when people charge in to suffering with Bible verses, sometimes it's not helpful. And they talk about how God is on the throne, and if you just had enough faith, and God's tiny little pinky finger could solve this if God wants to, or don't worry, Jesus will make it all right in the end. It actually makes things worse. Have you, any of you ever experienced it? It's because suffering exists in a realm beyond words. I was speaking uh, last fall, I think it was Miami, and a woman came up afterwards, and she had a, a baby in one of those front carrying pouches, and... She walks up to me and she says, this is my baby. And it was a Saturday. She says, I, I found out yesterday, Friday, that my baby has MS. And then she smiles and she just walks away. Clearly, her life with this diagnosis may change forever. The child's life, obviously. And yet, what, what do you say? I hugged her. And then she walked away. Some human experiences exist in a realm beyond words, don't they? And the best thing you can do 
is honor with silence. You feel it because suffering is beyond the intellect. It's beyond words. Suffering's beyond explanation often. Here's an example of an explanation. Why do we suffer? We suffer because for the world to be a world, it actually has to be free to be a world. Like if every time this world was about to cause someone suffering, something or somebody intervened and stopped it from causing suffering, then it wouldn't be free to actually be a world. It would be something else. It would be, a, a, it would be an imagination. It would be a simulation. It would be virtual. For the world to be a world, it has to be free to actually be a world. For a human heart to be free to love, it also has to be free to hate. For a hand, for an arm to be free to lend a hand or to embrace somebody, it also has to be free to make a fist and punch someone in the face. For the world to be a world, it actually has to be free to be a world. Do you see what I mean by that explanation? However helpful it is, it just raises more questions. Any answer, any explanation is at its core just going to take you deeper into the mystery. Or if my explanation was simply, why do people hurt each other? Because the human heart has tremendous capacity for evil. It can be easily twisted. See what I mean? <laughs> like, what, what is that? It's true, and it might be helpful, but it also just raises larger questions about how can the human heart be like this? Interesting, isn't it, that on the cross, what does Jesus say in the midst of great agony, pain, and suffering? Why? My God, why? The Psalms, this collection of prayers and poems in the middle of the Bible, why do you turn your face from me? Why are you distant? Why do you not come help me? Why? And those why questions, you don't ask questions, you feel them. The name Israel does not mean victory. The name Israel does not mean champion does not mean love, does not mean you will prevail in the end. You know what Israel means? The word means struggle. Israel's the one who struggles with the divine, or you might say struggles with the deepest depths of reality. The one who struggles with ultimate being. Suffering is something that you feel. Now, I recently came across this quote the South American Indians have this phrase, you must make room within yourself for the immensities of the universe. You must make room within yourself for the immensities of the universe. You feel it, and then you make room for it. There is that empty, hollow, uh, sort of haunting thing that happens. For me, it happens in the center of my chest when I encounter great suffering. Something, it's, it's like it expands, but not in a good way. You make room for suffering in your life. You create space for it to exist within you. See, some refuse to struggle. They refuse to make room for suffering. And so they deny it, they avoid it, they cling to religion, they quote Bible verses, anything to avoid actually feeling the depths of the suffering way down deep in your bones. Others numb it or self-medicate. Whatever you do, check out 
take something, go somewhere, do the, find the same old hit, whatever it is, deny, avoid, escape, numb, self-medicate, but whatever you do, don't actually allow yourself to feel it. Others never stop struggling. Have you ever seen this? You're with somebody and you realize the last five times you've been with them, they brought up that thing that happened to them. They never stop bringing it up. It's like they never moved on from it. It's almost like that thing that they went through. Maybe it was they were fired or maybe it was the loss of someone they love or maybe it was a divorce. It was like a giant pause button. And now they're sort of stuck back there. It's like they never stopped struggling. We store pain in our bodies. We have a pain body. There's almost like a cellular level at which we can store things and just carry them around. But what you do with suffering is when you feel it, when you feel it in your heart, when you feel that emptiness, you let that emptiness break you open until your heart includes even this. You make room within yourself for the immensities of the universe. And one of the greatest immensities of the universe is suffering. When you find that you feel like your heart is going to break, let it. Feel it every last piece as it gets smashes. Because here's the thing, it's hard for a heart to get bigger in the midst of suffering if it feels like it's going to break, unless you just let it break. And then you let it break open. You make room within yourself. You feel it. You make room for it so that you can transcend it. You don't leave what happened behind you. It will always be a part of you. That thing that happened to you, that suffering, that awful, awful thing, in some senses you have left it behind, but in many senses you will never leave it behind because it is now a part of you. You transcend it and you include it. It is now part of your story. Oftentimes in suffering people say, I just want to go back to how it was before. I just can't wait for things to go back to how they were before. You don't go back when it comes to suffering. You go through. And if you can do that, which you can, at the heart of the Christian story, of course, is a cross. Any coherent worldview will have to involve suffering. That's why don't worry, be happy is a lovely sticker, but a horrid way to see the world. Because it essentially says, just pretend like everything is fine. No, don't pretend like everything is fine. Make room for the immensities of the universe, and then you actually will be able to live like things are fine. Not because you are denying it, but because you went through it and you came out the other side. You feel it. You make room for the immensities, and then you allow spirit to help you transcend it. And then this is what happens. At some point down the road, you meet someone and they are going through something awful, something like the thing that you went through. And when you find out what they're going through and it drags up all those memories, you don't flinch, you don't change the subject, you don't leave the room, you don't point to something out the window. What you do is you look them in the eye and you say, me too.
And at that moment, that person who's wondering if anybody knows what it's like to be them, they're feeling all alone in a cold, dark universe. When you hear about their suffering and you do not turn away and you do not change the channel, but you look them in the eyes and you say, me too, I've been there. In that moment, you have become a channel of healing love for them. The divine is now flowing through you to them. And you will know in that moment that you have transcended it. You have made room for it. I was having lunch with a fella in uh, Colorado a couple years ago, and he said, I'm going to have some other people come with us. Is that okay? I said, sure. So we sit down, and there's a man at the table who leads a large nonprofit organization. And this man has lots of employees. He has lots of people who look to him for guidance. And I'm so struck right away with, uh, it's a certain lightness. He has this, there's like a fully present joy about this man. But it's not like sort of a plastic artificial joy, like a don't worry, be happy. It's, it's a much deeper sort of base note joy. And as we um, eat together, I'm so struck with how this man has, like he just holds everything with this sort of calm, centered, grounded. He's asking me questions. I'm asking him questions. He's like this bottomless well of wisdom. We get done and, and uh, the guy who had brought me to the lunch, we go back to his car to leave. And I said, what is the deal with so-and-so? He is a really extraordinary man. What happened to him? Because I now know that when you meet somebody who's has that extraordinary grounded joy, I always know what the answer is going to be. And my friend says, says, oh yeah, he says he lost it all like 10 or 15 years ago. Total breakdown. Completely fell apart. Lost everything and had to start over. Literally his life came to like a crashing halt. Yeah, that's the story I've heard again and again and again he suffered and instead of it crushing him he let it do what it had to do he made room for the immensities of the universe within himself there's this ancient story about a man named jacob who wrestles with the angel and at the end is he walks away limping and they say yes he's limping but he's limping because he experienced the divine. There's a certain limp that you get in life when you've seen enough. There's a certain sober, honest way that you see the world. You know what it can do to you. I'm wondering if you're listening and you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've seen what people are capable of and not in the good sense. You've seen the kind of pain that life can bring. And it is easy to let it crush you. It is easy to, to let it take away every reason to get up in the morning. But the real art of life is to see all that, to feel it, not to stuff it, not to avoid it or to numb yourself or to self-medicate or just to work harder. The number of people I've met who in the face of suffering just went to work and just worked harder and worked longer and stayed at the office for more hours. Just go, 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 go. Just trying to stay a step ahead of it instead of feeling it all the way down to the depths of your bones. 
You let yourself feel it all. And then you make room for it so that you now contain the summation of all your experiences. You make room within yourself for the immensities of the universe. And when you do that, and it may take a while, you will transcend that experience and include it. You will not leave it behind. It will be a part of you, an integrated part of you. You will not be longing to go back to how things were because you have gone through it to the other side. You are limping, but you are limping because you have experienced the divine. Any coherent worldview will have to have something to say about suffering. Not something superficial and trite, but something resoundingly true and honest. At the heart of how I understand the world is that suffering is not the last word. It is real. It is awful. It is beyond words. It is excruciating. But it is not the last word. And when you transcend whatever it is you've been through, when you allow it to not make you bitter, but make you better, when you resolve that it will not close you down, but it will open you up, when you decide that it will not harden your heart, but you will allow your heart to be broken into enough pieces that the divine love can flow into you and then through you to others so that at some point you can say to somebody else, me too. And in that moment, all that you've been through will be the exact point. The exact wound in you will be the entry point through which God's love can flow through you to somebody else so that they would know that they're not alone and that this thing that they are going through is not the last word about them either. That is a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful mystery. You make room within yourself for the immensities of the universe. Grace and peace be with you, my friends.